All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Friday. It's December 11th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. Feeling good about a game-by-game breakdown going into week 14 here. Only a few weeks left of the regular season. The NFL, this is... I mean, I, I know there's been some scheduling stuff that's gone on, but they're, they're going to end up getting pretty much every game in here, I think. Um, by we'll hook or see. By, by hook or by crook. Yeah, like, well, yeah, I guess, like, you don't want to speak too soon. But at this point, I feel like we're good, right? Like, if they... If Kendall Hinton got to play quarterback and they pushed the game to Wednesday, like we're kind of we're gonna make it through this thing, right? Was that was that your that's my well, sense a, of it at this point? Quarter of these teams probably have herd immunity by this point as well, unfortunately. So, yeah, I, th- I think we'll probably make it through. Um, we're gonna go game by game. We're gonna throw out some. We talked to well, we're gonna throw out some bets uh, that we like uh, on the board this week. We also broke down some cash game plays uh, for yesterday's podcast. So go check that out. We'll nod to some of those guys along the way. I will say, last night I I. I Rushed to publish uh, our bet, the first part of our betting article last night because um, really like the Rams took the Rams at minus six and then it got down to four and a half and just bet them again because I just felt like that was the wrong way and that ended up being fortuitous because they just absolutely destroyed the Patriots in a game where Bam Bam geez, Cam um, oh thinking about thinking basketball uh, Cam gets benched but uh, yeah I felt good about last night so I'm kind of riding high right now. Yeah, do you think Cam looks across the field at Jared Goff and is like, how come I get benched and he doesn't get benched? They basically had the exact same game um, of, you know, Cam 119 yards and a pick, Goff 137 yards, a pick and a touchdown. It's just that the Rams, just they just get after the quarterback yeah. too much. I mean, for how long Cam wants to wait in the pocket, how little, you know, quickness he seems to have right now in terms of throwing the ball. Um yeah, it's a it's a tough one. So hats off to the betting system, which is do you know the overall record for the the betting system since you've been really tracking it after its implementation a few weeks ago? I mean, the last last three weeks is probably I actually go look. I, I have this. I have it, but I just don't, didn't have it in front of me. The last three weeks is probably something like seventy five percent against the spread. Yeah, it's insane. Something like that, and then some. And of that's over a big sample too. That's not like it's three and one. It's like thirty no, and ten. No, no, yeah, no. It's like, like that. it's like oh, that's like almost right. every game. There's almost every game right. that's that, that's in there. Um, and some of it's a little different because it's like opening line value uh, where it's then moved and stuff like that. So it's not a perfect. It's, it's you can't uh, perfectly okay. you know right because you have to get it at, you get a certain number and then it moves and then that number's not as advantageous so it's it kind of it shifts around during the, the course of the week we'll go over some of the mm-hmm. what those bets are last week was particularly good but like I said did publish something yesterday that said take the Rams minus four and a half and that really never seemed in doubt I did say I sent you a text at one point I said the, the ball that Cam just threw looked like what happens if you and I threw a medicine ball drunk uh, it was like <laughs> the ball just looked like it everything was moving right and then the ball just died. <laughs> <laughs> just like went like fifteen. It looked it looked so bad. It was like all the mechanics look yeah. right, but then for some reason the ball just didn't go anywhere. So I don't know what's going to. Uh, Belichick did say that he's going to remain the starter, but uh, I don't know to what end. I think at this point. All right. Yeah. Well, but, I think that this it's kind of over for the Pats at this point, but. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's roll game by game. Uh, lots to talk about here. Some injury news that even got updated since we spoke yesterday. So that's kind of what is continually happening in the NFL as injury reports come in over the course of the week. James publishes an injury article each week that breaks down the situations you need to look at. And like I said, I'll have uh, some more bets going up on the site uh, later on today. Casey goes in and plays Miami. This game has uh, a 50 and a half over under that started at 48 and a half. So bet, uh, up two points coming up equal on both sides of the ball. I talked about Travis Kelsey at length yesterday. I think there's a, a case to be made to probably like, you know, a stack just like Mahomes uh, and Kate, like Mahomes and, and Kelsey or Mahomes and Tyreek in, in cash, although they're getting very expensive right now. 
And the only other injury piece that, that on the KC side is that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was sick last week and was in there in an emergency situation. They didn't rule him in, inactive, but then he ended up not playing at all. So I don't know, you know where that lands us with a running back situation, if it matters at all. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, so I think, first of all, you know we don't often get the opportunity to run KC out there in cash. That is definitely going to be something we'll take advantage of, at least at the tight end position, it looks like right now. Um, you know, it's funny in the past, we've always said KC is just kind of like overpriced because they're so good and so consistent. It doesn't totally look that way to me this week uh, with Hill, Kelsey and Mahomes. So definitely interested there uh, on the Miami side, I think is where things get a little bit more dicey because, you know, not only has Miami not really supported a ton of DFS production since two has taken over, but there's also just a number of unknowns with the injury situation right now. So the, the main guy that anyone's going to consider on Miami this week is theoretically Miles Gaskin. Um, Brita, there's just been no update on his status. He missed last week's game with the COVID IR designation. Uh, Ahmed has been missing practice all week. And Washington has been practicing, but at a limited basis. And Gaskin's got his own knee thing uh, that is causing him to be somewhat limited as well. So basically just one big question mark. If one guy emerges as the only guy... All those guys would be potentially considerable, even for cash games, I would say, uh, just because Miami continues to want to establish the run. And I think they'll, they'll even want to do so. I don't think they want to try to trade blows with like Tua and Mahomes, right? So like at least in the first half, I think they're going to try and establish the run. So uh, I'm definitely keeping an eye on that running back situation. And if anything develops there, you'll find it in our injury article that should be published either late Friday night or you know, midday to Saturday. And you can run against KC. We've seen the season. If you can, you know, they rank 30th, 30th against the rush. It's just often that you're just, you're forced to kind of, like you said, trade blows or get into a shootout with them. Uh, that's been, and that hasn't been. Yeah, but the, the formula Denver did it last week, right? You know, right. Gordon was, was ripping them up. Lindsay, not so much. Uh, that That's a two headed monster. I won't totally understand, but, um, but yeah, you can, you can definitely run on them. And if you don't, if you have to keep a steady hand to do it though, because it's, it might feel weird to like run the ball down and then Mahomes and, pass the ball six times and equals your long right. drive or whatever. But yeah, I'm a, I, I would be open to playing them even as dogs. It, it, just given the prices right now. I will say right now, our top FanDuel lineup has Tyreek, uh, Kelsey and Miles Gaskin all in it. I can't yeah. say I hate it. And it just feels, um, you know, it's kind of bizarre. Yeah. It's not usually not usually the way it goes with these kinds of things. Um, right now, in terms of bets, I do have Miami plus seven and a half uh, in this game, and so it uh, looks to me like it's more like a five point game, and that doesn't even factor in some home field advantage. Although home field advantage really hasn't been uh, that much of a thing this season, it really hasn't actually been a thing over the last two seasons. So with or without fans, uh, there's I think there's only a very very it seems to be only a very slight edge in the aggregate um, in terms of whether you play home or away. Texans go and play the Bears. This game's at 45 right now uh, with minus, it started at minus two in terms of the Texans on the road and now is down to minus one. Uh, looks like we're going to get another week of Mitchell Trubisky here. Uh, we get Deshaun Watson, who's you know greatly increased his fantasy production over the last few weeks. Uh, really, actually, just since they fired Bill O'Brien has been the theme is that mm-hmm. he kind of got back to being the Deshaun Watson that we had seen in the past of just, you know, running better. the ball. He's better than, better than he was last year. <laughs> He's just great. Yeah, like the the rushing, it's funny. It's like It was like almost one-to-one. The rushing yards just appeared uh, the second Bill O'Brien got mm-hmm. fired. And the completion rate has been, you know, hovering around 70% during that time as well. Uh, Bears are not a great matchup. And, but we also saw that it didn't, you know, he, 
Watson didn't seem like he missed Will Fuller or any of the wide receivers last week. Still threw for 341 yards, 68% completion percentage. No touchdowns and interception, but the, the production, or at least the volume, was still there. Uh, thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I think Watson is just one of the very elite quarterbacks. For some reason, he's still not totally priced like the rest of the guys that I think he's in the same peer group with. Uh, he's seen up to 50% plus ownership in cash games in recent weeks. I think the Detroit game was where he had his kind of peak ownership recently, but plenty of people played him against Indy as well. Uh, so definitely keeping an eye on him. We talked at reasonable length about the wide receivers yesterday too, all of whom are still firmly in a, a strong consideration camp. Uh, it's worth noting on Cooks, not only did he you know, leave and be diagnosed with a concussion last game but he's also been limited in practice this week with both a foot and a neck injury so he's going to going to the james davis school of being injured where it's like you know what's really bothering me my foot my neck everything. my right wrist yeah, kind of like <laughs> everything from my hair down to my t- the t- my tippy toes <laughs> exactly so and i'm not talking about james davis the former clemson running back I'm talking or the about mayor myself, of by the way. mayor of cleveland or whatever it was there was another james <laughs> <laughs> no, he was like a congressman he was congressman. murdered i think right oh no i don't, I don't know. know too soon jeez i didn't realize that okay keep going <laughs> yeah that was that was a long time ago so that was a funny a funny moment our friend mutual friend thomas came up we were all working at the same summer camp and he rushes over with like a headline that says james davis murdered i was like what <laughs> <laughs> so anyway um yeah so the houston side I think is pretty well well documented by us so far. Uh, I'm not going to touch the running game there, which is a bit of a two-headed monster situation with the Johnson brothers, David and Duke. Uh, neither of them has an injury report. I don't suspect either will be DFS viable, but uh, the Bears have kind of surprisingly rounded into a DFS viable team for us with both many people, including us, playing Robinson in cash games last week. And David Montgomery going north of 20% cash game ownership in spite of the fact that there were a lot of good, pretty cheap options Yeah, last he was week. 60% so, on DraftKings, too. Like, yeah, what, what do you make of the uh, the Bears' offensive DFS options here? Should we be—we didn't talk too much about them for cash yesterday. How much do you think we should be focusing on them here? Yeah, there's a lot to like here with, with, with Montgomery, I think. Like, you kind of get everything you want. You get a Houston defense that's bottom five, six on the season, a little bit worse against the rush, 26, so you like that. They also, in terms of pace, they allow the Houston, that is, allow the fourth most point, or excuse me, fourth most opponent plays per game, so you like that as well. Mm-hmm. And Montgomery is just basically the every down back at this point, like sometimes spelled by Corderell Patterson. Like 20, he had 50 snaps last week. Uh, he had a lot of the snaps the week, the week prior. It just didn't turn into the production. This was the only thing you worry about a little bit, that even in the you know, correct game scripts or whatnot were incorrect. Like he played 58 of the 68 snaps, but only touched the ball. And he touched the ball 17 times because the targets seem to be sometimes are there when the carries aren't. The offense is not very good. And so that's the only, it's sometimes hard to like, you know, run out running backs on offenses that even if they get the ball a lot, the offense just is not very good. The Bears offense isn't good. They, you know, haven't, there's been weeks where they don't score that many points. You know, they, they have a 10 and a 17 point game in here in the last couple. And they have 30 and 25 over the last two. I think in all, I could probably play Montgomery in cash at 6,600 on DraftKings. Excuse me, 6,600 on FanDuel. Um, sorry, I had the, I don't have the price in front of me on DraftKings. I'm blowing it here. Anyway, I, but I, because of the PPR piece, um, I think running him out, there again on DraftKings, uh, sixty five hundred on DraftKings would make sense as well. So I think overall I don't mind it. Um, it has, and it, but it probably has a little bit more to do with the Houston side. The Houston just is a good matchup at this point. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, did, 
Did you touch on Robinson? I don't no, think... I didn't. No, I didn't touch him. You did. I mean, so he's only gone up by a hundred dollars from last week, where we were really interested in him. Um, you know, he's been limited in practice with a knee thing. He only had seven targets last week, as opposed to the kind of nine to thirteen range that he was in the three weeks prior. He was still super efficient on those seven targets, turning it into six catches for seventy-five yards. Should we be considering him in cash games this week in that kind of same range, or is it just there's just better options? I think there's just probably better options at the price point. So, but he's okay. still good. Uh, like you know, he's gotten targets. That it's clear that Trubisky wants to throw to him. So I don't think you're worried about that piece at all. It's just that uh, I just think probably for the price, there's a few better options, and I don't think you're really going wrong here. You know, look, the game. It didn't get away from him last week, so it's it's not so much that, but still, I mean, six for six for seven for seventy five yards. He's clearly the best mm-hmm. receiver, and we have seen peak games from him where they can go all the way up to double digit targets and more. We can't go more than double digits. You can go a lot more than ten, a lot more than <laughs> triple digit targets. Triple digit <laughs> targets. Oh my god, we got projected for a hundred targets. Uh, yes, overall, I think I think the Bears are in a good spot, even as underdogs. I don't love. I, it's mostly that I just don't love money. Many of the running back situations here. So if I can get someone in the middle tier that I feel like at least is going to touch the ball sixteen plus times in yeah. a game, I think that's where I can feel the most comfortable. And the fact that it's a thin spread. Um, makes me think that at least at least it stays close. I was just checking in on our bets. I didn't didn't bet this one. Our system has this one is basically totally even. Uh, yeah, I took this one off as it, well. It's uh it's within it's priced within a point and it looks to be basically correct. Uh, Houston plus one. Uh, excuse me, Houston minus one. All right, moving on. The Cardinals go in and play the Giants. This game started at minus two and a half in favor of the Cardinals. Now down to minus one and a half uh, with the Giants looking like they might be playoff bound. Kind of been a pretty. Uh, yeah, just kind of sneaky team here coming down the stretch, especially coming off that win over Seattle last week. Let's start on the Kyler Murray side. Um, how worried are we that the production has just kind of fallen off a cliff over the last couple of weeks, uh, specifically with the running? The running has not happened. Do you feel it's a yeah. blip on the radar? Do you feel like it's an injury management thing where they just they're trying to manage maybe possibly a shoulder injury, which has been a little bit rumored? But the, after after basically four straight weeks of ten plus carries, he has dropped down to five carries in each game. And the yards have not been there at all. 173, excuse me, uh, passing yards. 173 passing yards, 170 passing yards, and then 269 against Seattle. Admittedly, the Rams and New England offer their own sort of pacing and defensive issues for different reasons. But uh, so maybe, I don't know, are these blips on the radar for him? Because this was a guy that we were happily trotted out there as an elite fantasy quarterback for almost the entire season up to this point. I don't think you can consider them blips on the radar. I think when it's a three straight game sample, Especially in, you know, the Cardinals would be happy to be like winning these games and doing quite well. And the fact that they're scaling back the rushing attempts, it it appears to be intentional. Um, it's not working very well. So I suppose you could argue that they might switch back and go the other direction. But I, I'm not optimistic about Murray's chances in the near term. I think this is like a reasonable matchup. But we've seen the Giants can get in the backfield and cause problems, not in a dissimilar way to how the Rams did in their last game and if that's the case things could get really tough for Murray in a hurry so I don't see any need to play him like in cash games or anything this week I think the big tournament upside is still there like there this is still a guy who can throw three touchdowns and run for two more in a game so anytime you're getting the very highest upside at a position for less than the highest price you've got to consider it and something like a Murray and Hopkins pairing might be under owned based on how things have gone for that duo the last couple weeks so yeah, definitely keep it on your radar for big tournaments. Plenty of reason to be concerned in the near term, though. I'd compare it to Watson, actually, where a lot of times these quarterbacks that are excellent with their feet, it's the running that opens up the passing because, you know, linebackers and 
people have to stay at home a little bit more when they know that you can just bust out and run for 15 yards at any moment. And that just kind of opens everything up and it makes things flow. And when that's not happening and that's not working for whatever reason, seeing this with Lamar Jackson this year too, then it just becomes problematic. So interested for big tournaments. I'm going to keep, I'm not going to try and catch a falling knife for cash games though. On the Giants side, it looks like Daniel Jones is going to return under center here for New York. I'm not sure that moves the needle for us at all. He's not a terrible play probably on DraftKings because he's just still coming pretty cheap at 5,500. I don't think I'd want to do it in cash. Um, but if I was going to go into this lower, this lower sort of tier of quarterback, and that's the you know the, the sub 6,000 guys, he mm-hmm. probably is the best of that group. I mean, maybe Teddy Bridgewater, but I don't know. Daniel Jones just a, he can get out there and run a lot. Anything to like here on a fantasy side for the Giants? Wayne Gallman has been getting a lot of touches as well. Uh, anything to see here? Yeah, it's funny with Gallman. I, I looked long and hard at him for the cash game article this week. The big issue is that Alfred Morris is still just hanging around. He's getting more targets. He, I think Gallman had 16 carries versus Morris's eight. So Gallman's been more effective on a per-touch basis, for sure. He's just obviously better. Morris has been kicked around the league just for his entire career, never really stuck or done anything anywhere. So it's not like on a talent level he's threatening Gallman, but on an opportunity level he is. So I would be cautious about deploying Gallman for your cash game purposes. Once again, for big tournaments, I think it's interesting. I actually really like, if Jones does wind up playing, something like a Jones-Evan Ingram stack is really interesting to me in big tournaments because, first of all, you'll be the only person doing it for the most part. There's plenty of upside there. Ingram is getting like 9 or 10 targets a game and relatively high-value targets for the position. And tight end is so weak that you could wind up doing something interesting there if like Kelsey is 50% owned or something, right? So you get... Ingram probably being arguably the, the highest upside non-Kelsey tight end if Jones is playing. And then Jones, you know, he can also scramble a little bit. Maybe that's Stacy with the hamstring injury. But if he scrambles in and gets you a touchdown or two, he could easily exceed points per points per dollar value here. So uh, something that, that I have on my radar. I'm not sure. I'm going to want a, a quite a clean bill of health from Jones. Hamstring injuries are going to be problems for more mobile quarterbacks. Um, but, yeah, definitely keeping an eye on it. All right, let's move into Minnesota and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay coming off the bye week, um, a late season bye, but that kind of I think that just ended up working out because of like some COVID stuff. Like they, them and Carolina both had buys this past week. This game is uh, Tampa Bay minus six and a half at home. Huge total here, fifty three total. Um, you know, usually when we see minus six and a half, something like that at home, that is kind of where we want to live with uh, with a running back. And I'm just not sure. I mean, Ronald Jones has 10 carries and nine carries over the, you know, each over the last two weeks that, that, that they actually played. I mean, is this a spot to like kind of start believing in the running game here? Have we just not seen it enough? From is there not enough to trust here on the Tampa Bay side? What are your thoughts starting out, starting out for the Bucks? Now you're not going to play the Tampa Bay running game. Uh, Fournette's still lurking. He only had six touches last week, but he had 11 the week before that. So, um, so yeah, you're you're just not going to be able to. I don't think invest with any confidence in that Tampa Bay running game. The passing game, arguably a little bit more interesting, but there's just been, again, this kind of carousel situation where people have just been coming and going and, you know, stepping in and having big weeks. You know, Gronk, I think, led the team in receiving yards against the Chiefs, only did it on seven targets. I guess he's still relatively cheap. Um, maybe you see people considering Gronk for cash games, but um, yeah, by and large, I just don't see a lot to love on this Tampa Bay team in general, which is kind of weird for a, a team. That's seven and a half point favorites here. Uh, I think Mike Evans cropped up on the injury report yesterday. Um, so I think we want to keep an eye out for that. If he were to sit, I think we could redistribute some of his targets, although the targets haven't been 
crazy high, or they've really just kind of come and gone for him this season. And it's just been it's just been a weird season, I think, just in general for this uh, for this passing game, which I think people you know were really kind of pretty confident in going into the season, and it just hasn't totally worked out. Evans is averaging yeah seven fewer than seven targets per game this season. That being said, if he were to sit, I think you could redistribute some of that to Godwin and Antonio Brown and Gronk, and maybe something starts happening there. Um, but I'd have, probably have to wait and see. On the Minnesota side, we've now seen Justin Jefferson basically just light it up. I, he's elite. I mean, he, I don't know if he's going to end up being the best in the in this what was supposed to be a great wide receiver class. Um, he's looked every bit of it so far. Is it just too much to think about running some of this, either Cook or Jefferson or guys like this, into the tees of the Tampa Bay defense? Yeah, I, I don't think it's too much. I think it's definitely worth a consideration. Uh, you know, we were down on Jefferson going into last week with Thielen coming back, and somehow the, the Vikings have managed to support <laughs> both of them, right? right? And I don't think we really thought that was going to be possible given their tendency just to lean into Cook. But, man, this Vikings team now officially has a lot of offensive weapons and a lot of ways they can beat you. Uh, I think Cook is actually the more problematic guy just because of the potential game script issues. Uh, we have seen the potential for him to get game scripted out in the past, and when everything is clicking with Thielen and Jefferson, I, I believe Cook would sort of be the odd man out. So we talked yesterday about how we like uh, Derrick Henry in that big money running back slot over Cook this week. Um, for cash game purposes, I, I still think I lean towards the cheaper guys that are arguably just as well used right like we're definitely going to play michael thomas over either two of these guys mm. uh, brandon Ayuk is like the full thousand cheaper than them getting similar target share you could argue that it's lower quality targets but um but we're kind of running out of room at the wide receiver table at some point so i don't know that either of them will sneak into our cash games but yeah once again for big tournaments especially as like a, a picking a one-off as not part of a stack i guess is what i'm saying i, I really like jefferson for that reason yeah, this is a weird one because the, the targets have really creeped up. We've, we've talked about this before where we've seen also Minnesota when they get into, you know, different kinds of game scripts, they can just definitely just lean on the run completely and the pass disappears. So I'm not really sure um, where that lands us uh, with them in cash, but I think that I can definitely see a game stack here. And I will say, you know, at least in terms of Vegas, this game, I believe, has the highest total on the week. Uh, yeah, 53 is the highest total hmm. uh, going into this, uh, going into the week 14 main slate. So, um it, it projects to be a shootout that feels like a lot has to do will have to do with the passing games um and i just feel it would it would feel a little bit weird i think to uh to run the, out some minnesota guys in anything more than just like correlated stacks against against Tampa Bay in a game that hopefully ends up dialing it up to a lot of points tennessee goes in and plays jacksonville J- tennessee's uh minus seven and a half road favorites here this game started at 53 and a half now down to 52 and a half we have targeted passing attacks against the jags almost all season that's been pretty much correct all throughout uh they've been either last or you know moving between dead last or last in terms of passing defense dvoa this season right now they sit 31st shout out to the jets who were able to get uh, who were able to kind of you know scoot past them last week on the heels of a Derek carr all-out blitz uh <laughs> touchdown that that kept their winless season when alive. the jets were doing like what we used to again work at camp and it would be like the grown-ups against the kids soccer game and at the end of the game it's like some plucky eight-year-old dribbles somehow through the entire group of adults to win the game. That's kind of had that vibe to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's terrible. Like, do we either. really want to win this one? <laughs> so Jacksonville's terrible. They also allow a ton of opponents' uh, points per game. And so that would make me think like, oh, okay, where are we at with Ryan Tannehill? Where are we at with Corey Davis? You know, th- this this passing piece. And those aren't guys that are really showing up from us, for us. Now, some of it's price correction because uh, the sites do kind of, you know, as this stuff goes along, 
get in tune to who you know who someone's playing and right now Tannehill sits at 7900 yeah. you know more than guys like Taysom Hill slightly just like almost in, like in that Kyler Murray range like he's 100 less than than Deshaun Watson on FanDuel right so it's like okay well what am I really getting here? you can't play him for that and the, the basic reason on a fundamental level is Tennessee has a plan for when they're ahead in the game and it doesn't right. involve Ryan Tannehill the reason he was incredible last week is because the opponents put up 45 points on them and that's pretty unlikely to happen this week you don't have to go back too far to find a 22 passing attempt game against Indy, 27 against Indy in their prior meeting, 21 against Chicago on November 5th, right? So you just can't, you can't do it. You cannot play Tannehill and Cash for big tournaments. I can see the argument, you know, if they just wind up electing to light it up through the air. But I have a strong feeling that this is just going to be Derrick Henry running downhill for 30 plus touches and. You know, a game that's over 25 minutes in real time faster than any of the other games on the slate just because they're uh, they're playing ball control. But that's just my gut. Um, on the other side of the ball which, with Jacksonville, we talked a little bit about James Robinson yesterday on the Cash Game Podcast simply because the volume for him, it's like that. It's like the Joe Mixon thing from last year. It's like it kind of doesn't matter how the game's going. They're just going to give James Robinson the ball a ton. Uh, the Bengals did this with Mixon last season for reasons that are unknown. Um, just because I just don't know why you would pound a guy into a guy that maybe has like meaningful skill that you could use in the future. Um, running him, just you know, putting tons of miles on him when the games don't mean anything, unless you're just doing playing lip service to fans. I'm actually not sure like why else they're doing it. That being said, they continue to do it on a week to week basis. Um, anything else to re to kind of re explore here with Robinson, uh, and then anything to see in a passing game where they should be playing from behind against. And the Tennessee's not a very good defense. Yeah, so I, I mean, I said a very lengthy piece on Robinson yesterday. The opportunity seems to be pretty well assured, so I don't think you need to overthink that too much. I think he's just a totally playable option. The only guy worth noting on the Jacksonville side through the air is probably DJ Shark Jr. Uh, the targets have sort of been there the last couple of weeks. The quarterback play is just so bad, though, that I don't really know what you're supposed to do here. Um, you can't lean into Shark the way you might have been able to do with Minshew under, under center. The targets haven't been quite as high as they were with Minshew either, so I just don't I don't see it. I'm not going to bother here. All right, Dallas goes in and plays Cincinnati. Dallas, um, pretty much a train wreck, obviously, this season. They are favored here, though, uh, three-and-a-half-point road favorites uh, against the Bengals team that has their own problem, so it's not like you know, this is kind of a dumpster dive game. This game got flexed. This game was supposed to be uh, the night game, I believe, and it just got flexed right out. Until, I forget, uh, the Giants game got put in. Oh, you know what? I take that back. I, was, uh, you know, I need to check this, actually, now that we're talking, because I realized this Giants game got flexed, and I wonder if it got flexed off of the main slate. Um, it might have. I might have made a mistake mm-hmm. here, and I wonder if our thing... I gotta... It's currently on the main slate on Facebook. Oh, maybe... So oh, no, know. sorry. You know what? I'm thinking it's next week, week 15. i got to flex. I'm getting all turned around here. I'm going to leave it in, just let everyone know I make mistakes, Great. but um, moving on. Uh, what do we... They wouldn't have known that prior to that, so that's that's big of you to finally reveal that you do occasionally make mistakes. The, you, everyone heard the first one in a very, very long time. Uh, we're live <laughs> on the podcast, so congrats, everyone. You can write it down. I should make like a Google sheet to keep track of your mistakes, just to happen so infrequently that it's well, hard to... The Bengals stink. And Zeke, for all the Dallas's problems, did touch the ball 24 times last week. Uh, they continue to, you know, still going to run him if the games are close, I think. Is this a week to, to play Zeke here? I, I it, it feels terrible. I mean, our projection on him, I'm just checking the projection on him, where he lands uh, compared to the big boys. He, I mean, he's way lower, I guess. I mean, the, the seasons has been kind We of, might be low on his ownership, I'm actually, or his usage, actually. I'm going to go ahead and take a look at that because I don't know if we've updated based on that last game all right well either way i'll, I'll do that while we're so. talking but the the um 
where do we stand with the Dallas offense? I mean, they still have, you know, Andy Dalton is a downgrade from Dak. They've still been able to do some stuff yeah. here. I, like, it's not, it hasn't been totally terrible. It hasn't been good by any means. But uh, where do we stand with where we are with it's Dallas? Been pretty terrible. <laughs> What's that? I don't want to play, I don't want to play any of these guys. I like I, Elliot. I, I could see an argument for playing Elliot. So I'll say that first. Uh, I think assuming that this calf thing is no big deal and he winds up just rolling back out there against Cincinnati, Dallas still does have incentive to try at this point. Um, so I could see playing Elliott, actually. I don't think that's bad at all. The rest of it is just kind of a stay away from me, kind of from top to bottom. You still have a lot of good receivers and one very bad quarterback. So that's not usually a recipe for DFS interest. Uh, Dalton rates to spread the ball around a little bit. You know, he's also just not, again, not very good. So there's no telling that even if you get nine targets, if it's going to amount to much. Like Cooper had nine targets against Baltimore. He had 43 yards receiving, right? So I don't see myself investing in the passing game whatsoever. But Zeke is interesting. I, I could see just with how bad running back is this week, like do, with a gun to your head right now, would you prefer Elliott at 7,600 or Robinson at 8,000? Probably Zeke, I think. Um, yeah, I, I would too. I, I think that's a, it's, I don't want to say it's not even close, but man, for potential game script issues and just the, the team's other options, I, I think Elliott looks strong to me there. Yeah, uh, this is a funny one. We, I, we were pretty correct on his opportunities. Maybe a tick too low on the targets, I, but that one could be up for that's, – that's, mm-hmm. that one's a little bit subjective. So this was the one we're going to want to monitor, I think, um, especially as we get into where we kind of landed a position. It's, and it's mostly because running back is just a little bit tricky. If you hear us kind of moving back and forth between some of these guys that maybe don't sound like great options, is because a lot of the options just have – I have just issues. Either it's game script issues or if the teams are bad or whatever it is. It's like very few guys line up, except for Henry, which I think you can feel pretty confident in the, in the opportunity and the idea that they'll be winning. After that, you really have to squint to see it with some of these guys. One thing we missed yesterday, the next game is um, Denver and Carolina. And I, have to, I apologize. One thing we missed yesterday was a COVID report that came out of Carolina that um, Curtis, Moore, Curtis Samuel mm-hmm. and DJ Moore are both on the reserve COVID uh, list. that Actually, no, that came out two days ago, um, which kind of just flew past me. It was in our system in terms of like they had been ruled out, but I hadn't adjusted the team projection that much. Also, along with that, uh, it came out yesterday, Matt Rule reported that that uh, Christian McCaffrey is not going to play this week. So we're going to get another week of Mike Davis. There's still three and a half point home favorites here, Carolina over Denver. Are we looking at like a Robbie Anderson, Mike Davis stack here? Because... If they're just this, if they're, if they're missing the whole wide receiver core, and I'm going to need to do some research about who the next guys up here. Um, they have a couple other guys that they're probably going to move up from the practice squad. But knowing this this piece here, does that change some of our cash game thinking based on opportunity just around other pieces that are now are almost definitely not going to play this week for Carolina? Yeah, Anderson does check that box for me of a guy who's just already a reasonable, like a guy who's kind of kicking around the system. And when the opportunity goes up dramatically, he becomes very interesting. So, you know, he was already getting seven, nine, six, 13, eight targets, right? So if that come, if the true number for him is like eight and a half or nine targets, he's going to be in our cash game lineups. And I don't think that seems too terrible to me. Uh, as for Davis, it's kind of been interesting how the sites have handled his pricing. I don't know why they don't just leave these backups prices high. Like, were there people who wanted to play Mike Davis at 6,800 as Christian McCaffrey's backup? I don't think so. So why not just leave him at 7,700, which is probably his fair price uh, when when McCaffrey's out? Um, Given that McCaffrey is out and we probably will get, you know, low 20s, high teens touches for Davis, 
that seems pretty darn good, right? 6,800 again on a week where running back is awful. Like it's hard to overstate how little value there is at this position this week. It's not even clear you can afford Henry, first of all. So um, if you are going to afford Henry, you're going to need cheap-ish guys like Davis. So, yeah, I'm totally fine with both of these plays. Yeah, I think Davis, like I said, home favorite here. Um, should see increased opportunity. The fact that they're just dropping out. Um, I mean, And by the way, Curtis Samuel was getting some carries, too. So the fact that they move him out um, does make me feel... Uh, pretty bullish on Davis, like being just an every down guy here. Uh, you know, whether or not the, the defense, the Denver defense, maybe does a little bit more um, loading up on Robbie Anderson. That could be. They are a funnel defense, which is worth to note. They're seventh this year against the pass, but 22nd against the rush. So the Davis piece feels totally safe to me. Um, the the Robbie Anderson one is maybe a little bit closer, uh, but it's hard to see how they don't just force the ball down these guys' throats because I, I again, I'm just not sure who next guy up here i mean brandon yeah, brandon zilstra <laughs> like Farrell cooper these are the guys <laughs> that are sort of projecting right now to be the guys that are like you know gonna soak up some of that target share it's kind of hard to see that as well so something to keep an eye on here um again i feel bad we omitting that in yesterday's podcast was was a mistake it was just simply a mess so uh we're gonna keep an eye on here but, but it looks like i i'm i'm feeling more and more confident like mike davis is just probably gonna be at least checking one box for us uh mm-hmm. at running back at a, at a tougher position let me just roll back through to make sure i didn't miss any bets here so uh we did carolina that one i did not bet um didn't see that one i do have t- took tennessee minus seven and a half uh, against Jacksonville, like that number. Um, did take Miami plus seven and a half against the Chiefs. I don't know if I mentioned that one. And then Arizona minus two and a half. Um, that was that line was only available at one book when I was able to do it. It was minus three and some. Yeah, other what spots. the hell is this? Just a Daniel Jones stuff? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not totally sure. So uh, just and, and finally, a Minnesota plus six and a half again against the Tampa. Missed a lot of these along the way. Sorry, getting you getting more used to throwing these bets in uh, as we roll through the podcast. Indianapolis goes in and plays Las Vegas. This game has a pretty high total at 51. Uh, that is the Colts minus two and a half on the road. I, you know, Jonathan Taylor, we spoke about him the previous week, but it looked like they went back right to just kind of wanting to give everyone a little bite of the apple when it came to the running game. And then we're coming mm-hmm. off a uh, Vegas game where, uh, excuse me, Josh Jacobs sat. Devontae Booker got a lot of touches, but it really didn't do anything with him at all. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? I it looks like Jacobs is probably going to play it at this point. Yeah, it's been hard to read what's going on in Vegas with the running back situation. Last week, they were a little bit vague before finally ruling Jacobs out before the weekend. Uh, Jacobs has returned to practice in a limited fashion during this week. That's considered to be like a positive time towards his status against the Colts. But some people believe it's just going to be a game time decision sort of thing, in which case we'll just be staying away. Uh, if Jacobs were to sit, do you mind going back to Booker here? He didn't really get there for us last week, but he's still awfully cheap. He's cheaper than he was last week in this matchup against the Colts. If you can pencil him in for 18 touches, you're talking about a, a sub $6,000 running back. Um, he wasn't very good on a per-touch basis last week, but sometimes the opportunity just trumps everything when there's so little value. So uh, could you see doing that again, or, or would you prefer to lean in some of these other directions? No, I don't think you can consider Booker here. The indie defense, we did it last week because the Jets defense is bad. They're much better against the run. And I do think our projection on Booker was just too bullish um, in retrospect and, and sort of just 
not relitigating what we did, but just kind of looking back and kind of trying to figure out, you know, where things go right, where things go wrong. Booker was the one where I kind of looked back at that projection and thought, man, that was just, it was a little, it was just a little too high. That being said, this is an even worse situation for them than it was the, against the Jets. Indy is just a top five defense overall. So, um, and just equally good against the pass and the run. So I don't, I'm not interested in going back to Booker knowing that. Um, and Jacobs were to sit, I'm sure he would just have an awesome game because that's just kind of how life seems to work sometimes uh, <laughs> with things like this. Because that's just I, almost like I can like preload those texts to you, right? It's like I'm going to preload the Booker <laughs> just touchdown. Just schedule them with like, like Hoot or something? <laughs> yeah, 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 like schedule like Booker touchdown, of course. Like that one, that's one that I would probably, you know, I can preload now. Just well, it would be like the first drive. The other, the other way is to a, a nice way that DFS does it to you is like, Booker like won't even touch the ball on the whole first drive and he'll finish it with like two carries for three yards and a touchdown. So it's like we were right in some ways, but he just gets the points anyway. Yeah, that's that's what I'm bracing for. Yeah, me too. And I'm not bracing to to play these guys at all. And look, these are just two okay. teams that from a they're they're not bad teams. It's just that they're from a fantasy perspective. It's just tough on a week to week basis. Like you have Darren Waller, but he needs like, he's clearly the second best tight end this season after after Kelsey. Yeah. You don't really get a discount on him at this point, so I don't really know why you'd want to do it. And then Indianapolis is just fine to just give everyone. Um, a, a turn, you know, sort of like youth style where everyone just gets a turn, make sure everyone gets their couple touches a game so no one complains after the game and their parents don't call. Like, I don't really know what else to say about the Colts <laughs> at this point. They're just, they're a good team, but on a week-to-week basis, good luck trying to figure out what the plan is and who's going to get the ball. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't see, I certainly don't want to play any Raiders. Uh, Waller has to be in your rotation for big tournaments just based on the incredible, you know, high teens target upside that he's now demonstrated multiple times this season. You're not going to play him over Kelsey, and I think the savings isn't significant enough that it'll really free up much for you anywhere else for cash games, so you just kind of can't do it. Um, and then on the indie side, you took my perspective perfectly. They spread the ball out way too much in the running game, and the passing game is just so ineffective that you don't want any part of it. So it's uh, it's a pass. Yeah, which is crazy because it's like it. And by the way, it's in some ways it's a past season for tournaments. Like the volume is just not even there on the best of days for some of these guys. I mean, maybe you know, get a random Michael mm-hmm. Pittman game. Like I said, you sometimes you get you do get a Taylor running downhill game, and I think that one is the one you could you, if you're going to take a GBP flyer. That's the one is Taylor. It's just like this is the game they kind of lean into him a little bit more, and he touches the ball twenty plus times. But you just can't pencil him in for it at this point because there's yeah. just too many weeks of just going back and forth. Jets uh, go in and play Seattle. Uh, Seattle is now 13 and a half point home favorites. The line is at 47. Uh, Jets are have almost no points coming up on the board here. Uh, rightfully so. The team's terrible. Uh, I'm, I'm taking stuff. the Jets this week, Doug. I took the Jets at plus 13 and a half. <laughs> I'm based I, on. I wonder if I did too. I might have too. It I mean, looks I like you did based on. We have a little betting sheet, a little internal betting sheet that we use uh, to keep track of each other's bets. Doug has made a system that's, like I said, been crushing. Your system, Doug, has Seattle as roughly nine point favorites here so that doesn't seem outrageous to me right like Wilson after starting the season and everyone's like did you know Wilson has never had an MVP vote before he's just not played like an MVP recently and the Jets for as bad as they are offensively that's only one side of the football I think one issue the public has in just betting in general is they really know how many good fantasy guys you have in this day and age right and they look at the Jets and they're like, who's their quarterback? What are they, who's their running back? I'm going to bet on just these two guys. And it's like, yeah, but at least 20 guys or other guys are going to have a big impact on the final score of this game, if not more, if you include special teams. So I really, I love the Jets 13 plus 13 and a half here. I think it's tough to get value 
like this in really any kind of betting thing. You're never going to get value like this when it's two popular teams that have been the same all season, right? Like if the Chiefs and Steelers play, the line won't be off by four and a half points. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I bet the Jets double uh, my normal bet size this week. So wanted to share One of the one. reason I'm encouraged about this bet too is because one thing the system doesn't do is very well yet, just because it's sort of like just in, in its infancy stages here, is the term like it takes more of just a season long approach to how teams have behaved and acted uh, over the course of the season without really making great grand adjustments for when there's been massive differences uh, in terms of the personnel. Mm -hmm. And one of those guys and one of those differences is the, the difference in between Joe Flacco and Sam Darnold. Now, Sam Darnold has stunk this year, so that is not that's probably maybe not the discussion, but it, I don't think there's any doubt that he's better than than Joe Flacco right and so if the system is seeing is taking even some of those Joe Flacco games putting it in there and saying hey this is like still a reasonable bet like I get even more encouraged about it and that's just my own that's just me being subjective rather than just looking at the raw numbers um, no I think that's right that though sense. and I think it's why like I didn't recommend the Dallas Cincy game from our betting system because there's been so much turmoil you know with Dak coming in and out Cincinnati going from Burrow to Shipley to Allen whoever else that I wouldn't stick my neck out there if you're looking at season-long metrics. And I don't think we are equipped to like eyeball test it and be like, uh, Allen is worth three and a half points less per game than Burrow or something, right? Like that's just not in our skill set. I don't frankly think it's in anyone's skill set, but that's a discussion for a different time. But for these teams where we do have a season's worth of data, pretty much what their plan is. And with the Jets, I think, like you said, if anything – season-long metrics are going to be low on what the Jets are capable of. So, you would think. You uh, not would that think. this is again, like a like full it, betting podcast or anything, but I, I'm feeling very strong about this one. And again, I'm looking at Darnold's numbers are bad. Five touchdowns and nine interceptions. Like, this is a bad team. And it may be, and I, you know, one thing, that, and I'll move on from this after this, but, you know, maybe a thing, too, like I've been kind of stewing on is maybe bad teams are just going to be bad quarterback, sort of independent. Like, Joe Burrow represents uh, – an, an you know improvement clearly on the other guys like Finley or Allen or whoever but like you know how much can how much can you make up the difference when your the rest of the team is just absolute trash the the Jets might be in a similar situation now it's still fine for me to I think it's fine for me to bet because you're still getting what is presumably the better guy in Darnold but I do wonder sometimes the quarterback can make a difference um, but after the whole season's said and done and everyone else has been able to play all, all the other parts of the game if the team sucks I, I maybe maybe the incremental difference between you know, a, a pedigree guy and just like the next guy up isn't as much as you think, but that's just my own random opinion. Okay, hmm. let's uh, let's keep moving. Oh, sorry, no, we didn't even talk about this game from a fantasy perspective. Uh, DFS, okay, I got a couple thoughts on yeah. this. So the Jets are complete and total stay away. So that's, we can cross them off right away. Seattle, I do think is kind of interesting. The big guy I'm looking at on Seattle right now is Chris Carson. Uh, so Chris Carson, you know, he only saw 35% of the offensive snaps roughly in his first game back. Carroll was kind of like a little bit coy about how Carson would be deployed. They said, you know, that they were going to kind of take it easy and try to ease him back in. That wasn't what happened last week. He saw essentially all of the running back touches last week. He had 19 total touches in a game where, oddly, the game script didn't favor Seattle being able to run the ball, which is what most people forecasted it would be, again, except for our betting system, which nailed this game perfectly. But um, I think that Carson makes for a very interesting guy to target here like we talked about earlier the Jets not a terrible running defense but given that things have been like somewhat challenging for Wilson and given the fact that Seattle are 13 and a half point favorites here even if you think they're truly just nine point favorites the way we do that still spells a lot of running back carries so do you buy that Seattle is going to try and limit Carson here um, they've got to be at least a little bit 
motivated to put their best guy out there, right? Like the rest of these Seattle backups have been just awful. So um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. Carson, not exactly cheap and probably not a cash game play, but is he worth a big tournament stab here? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, the Jet, like you said, the Jets defense is better against the run, so that was a little concerning. Um, I do think that they probably... I do think there's a situation here where they probably do try to dial in the weakness um, and just air it out and just try to get up early. And that hasn't been always mm-hmm. where they've been wanting to establish things. But, I mean, I'm, I, I feel like they have to see that there's one way, there's a much better way to attack this team, and it's not on the ground because seventh overall against the rush. That being said, if he's going to get all the – if he's going to get it, – it's not like the Jets don't allow rushing yards to anybody, right? Like they just – this is kind of right. like a – it is like a game script – based uh overall evaluation so i'm with that i could also see this being like a peak game for one of lockett or metcalf i don't think i'm going to do it in cash because i'm worried the game gets out of hand and we've just seen you know them try to like they just did this with lockett two weeks excuse me with metcalf two weeks ago against the eagles where they just wanted to absolutely just destroy the eagles early by just bombing it out to him and, and it worked so um i do think there's some peak games here maybe possibly coming from them and uh, look, it, it ends up being with like we said with Seattle, it kind of just becomes like one guy gets it on a given week, right? <laughs> like that's that's who gets the points. It seems like outside of Russ, right? Uh, and that can be a little hard to predict. Why- but they're both priced like they're both going to get the points, and that's, and that's right. And, and it makes sense because over the course of the season, both their fantasy points, this Lockett and Metcalf, at least both their fantasy points are high because they've had just absolutely bananas games. But mm-hmm. the peaks and valley, like I should look at their standard deviation. Like the coefficient of variation is probably the among the highest in the league. Is my guess around wide receivers that are in the same tier, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just that's me just guessing at that without actually looking. But I'll maybe try to look as if we're talking about the next game. But that that would strike me as correct if I saw that because that just feels like what happens when the joke is, oh, no one gets Lockett or Metcalf right on a week to week basis. Washington goes in and plays San Francisco. San Francisco, three-point home favorites here. Uh, I'm not sure from a fantasy perspective what there is to see. Uh, the, both these teams are pretty slow. I mean, I guess like the one piece is Antonio Gibson might not play. I don't know where that would land you on. McKissick went back, right back to getting a lot of targets last week, and when that was when they were playing from behind and also uh, after Gibson was out of the game. But th- that being said, it was Peyton Barber who got all the rushing attempts. So yeah. I don't think you can, even though McKissick played 53 snaps of the 72 and had 10 targets, we've seen we've seen the targets be able to disappear quickly, right? Like that they, they, they disappear too quickly for you to consider in cash. That's at least the, the way I kind of yeah, think about it. Yeah, I think it. that's probably the feeling I have too. And Barber, you know, Nice job carrying the ball 14 times last week. He turned it into 23 yards on the ground. He stinks. So. <laughs> like he stinks. I don't know why they. Not I don't exactly know why teams exciting, do this, but, but they just they do it. Yeah. I don't. I'm not sure why, but it, it happens. Yeah, I could see McKissick being playable. Um, I think we've gotten enough other value kind of creeping up that we probably don't need to do it. But you know, once again, on DraftKings, those receptions really matter, and you're getting a guy who picking arbitrary endpoints in three of the last five weeks. He's had double digit targets now. In a couple of those other weeks, he skunked you completely, and you just lost automatically if you played him in cash. But if you did manage to catch that lightning in a bottle uh, in any of those other weeks, you were pretty pretty enthusiastic about what you were getting. So I definitely like this for big tournaments, and I would, I, I there is a world where I could consider this in cash if Gibson were rolled out. Uh, I was just going to go back to one thing real quick because I just looked this up for the uh, for the Seattle piece. So it's interesting. Um, in terms of coefficient of variation, Metcalf has actually been surprisingly consistent on a DraftKings basis. Not the most consistent, but you know the guys ahead of him, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, uh, have been a little bit you know more less consistent. The guy like underneath him, uh, Keenan Allen, has been more on a week to week basis. And Tyler Lockett, on the other hand, has like the biggest basically standard deviation of any of these guys. Because <laughs> well, he had that one absolutely huge week, right? Yeah, like that right, and I think that right, and that's always going to throw things off. Right, and I think it, maybe he might even had two. So. Um, 
it is just funny seeing how this kind of thing happens because, uh, mm-hmm. about what in terms of where where you land with uh <laughs> with consistency or what can be apparent consistency uh anything mm-hmm. to see on san francisco side we talked about brandon Ayuk. Uh, i'm still on that from a cash game perspective think he's mispriced uh, but anything else i mean i felt like the san francisco running game went right back to just tr- you try to figure out who it's going to be like it feels like it's going to be mustard and then i believe jeff wilson got the more the majority of the snaps last week uh yeah Je- well jeff wilson out snapped mustard uh, 28 to 27. Uh, anything to like here in San Francisco, it's kind of hard for me to see it. Not really. No, I think this is just a, a team that you got to stay away from outside of Ayuku remains a, a very, very good play. All right, moving on, we got the Falcons going in and play the Chargers. This game is Falcons minus two and a half on the road against LA, 49 and a half over under. Let's start on the Falcons side. Uh, Chargers defense has been no great shakes this season. Teams have been able to rack up, you know, just they have been able to rack up some points against them. They're significantly worse against the run. Uh, that is the Chargers. Where do you stand on anything to see here from the Atlanta side? It feels like this is a game we'd want to target, and then sometimes Atlanta's a little tough to get a read on, especially when everyone's able to roll out there. Right, so we're keeping an eye on Julio Jones for Atlanta right now. He mispracticed on Thursday. Uh, we're recording this before you know, Friday's practice, which is usually when we get our designation for the week. So something worth keeping an eye on. Obviously, that frees up opportunity for guys like Ridley and Gage. Um, we won't know a lot until then. The running back situation seems just like a total stay away to me, right? I don't see any reason to stick our necks out, even if, say, Gurley were to miss this game again. The two-headed monster, Brian Hill and Ito Smith, is probably a non-starter. So, yeah, I'm not... I'm not excited about anything on Atlanta outside of the passing game. I think we could see some value there, but we just have to wait and see on Jones's status. On the Charger side, we're a week removed from really wanting to play Austin Eckler, and they ran into just the craziest, weird, terrible game last week against um, yeah. against the Patriots, where they end up just getting basically shut out, and it was all, it was all bad. That being said, Eckler still touched the ball hmm. 17 or had 17 looks in this game. Now, they took their foot, they had to, they essentially just took him out at the end, and Kalen Balaj came in, but Eckler was the guy until they cried no mercy and said it's it, it's over here. But we're, again, we're only a week removed from Austin Eckler touching the ball like wide receiver one like targets and, you know, running back two carries. Like he had 30 touches the week prior to this. Right. So Balaj did miss that week, though, against Buffalo. And while. Balaj certainly got more of the touches after the game was out of hand against New England. He was still involved early, too. So I don't I don't think it was simply a game script thing that took Eckler out of, you know, being the only guy getting snaps, essentially. Uh, that being said, you know, if splitting snaps with or splitting touches with Kalen Balaj means that you're still going to get nine targets out of Eckler, I don't think you could rule him out. But uh, given how weird last week was, I'd rather not stick my neck out on a guy who cost 7500 and might be in a timeshare, but we're not totally sure because we had one week where his you know, timeshare partner was missing and then another week where they lost by 45 points. So I don't think I want to do this for cash game purposes. The upside is obviously ridiculous if it turns out that Balaj is only kind of a in case of emergency guy as Eckler continues to get healthier. So I'm going to put this one in my back pocket for big tournaments. I would prefer not to do it in cash though. Yeah, absolutely. Big tournament play on DraftKings, especially. Um, oh, there's yeah. just too many. There's just there's just enough of a track record to say there's very few guys in the league that have 30 touch upside. Yes, and sir. Eckler is one of those guys. But, you know, the floor on him is lower than some other guys that might exist in that same category. But he definitely is among the group that it could happen for 
even though it's unlikely. And that's just where, where he sits with price. I'm with you. Like, there's too many ways he can burn you uh, here. But in terms of tournaments, I think this is the very like Mike def- Davis should touch the ball more than Eckler on average in these games, I would guess. But, like, Eckler could have 12 catches, which Mike Davis won't have. So. Exactly. Exactly. So, just fit, for me, fits the very definition of a tournament play. Green Bay goes in and plays Detroit. Green Bay is seven and a half point home favorites here. This game, I take it back up on the main slate. I said before the other, the, another game had the highest total. This one has the highest total at 55 and a half. Um, you know, you were uh, very dismissive slash borderline angry about, Aaron, about the prospect of playing Aaron Jones yesterday. I heard a twinge of just sort of like maybe there was something else bothering you. I don't know. It, it, it would have surprised <laughs> me if it was just that mad about Aaron Jones or like something else was bothering you and, you know, because you were thinking back on something or. Yeah, it's just like we're going back into quarantine, you know, like the whole thing. Doug. I just got a lot on my plate right now. So okay. I appreciate you. Uh, you dig it a little deeper. In there. <laughs> <laughs> so right now at 7,600, Jones is showing up, not 100%, but is creeping around <laughs> our DraftKings lineups. I, I'm I like dis- your tone. Your tone is like when I'm trying to tell the kids like, we are going to be going out later today. You still have three hours to do whatever you want, but we do right. have to go to the dentist. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you said the dentist because it's something like it's not going to be the whole day that's going to get ruined, but there's going to be part of it that's going to get ruined. So we'll just decide, <laughs> let's just decide what our attitude is going to be, or let's just try to mentally prepare for it. Like that, you know, when I need to get my youngest into the car, you got to start gearing that. You got to start, you know, greasing those yeah, wheels. Priming that, sure. Ninety minutes before, because you, you're not you're not doing it in the moment. If, if you think you're getting out the door in five minutes, that's simply not happening. You need to start laying the laying the, the, the groundwork yeah. 90 I'm minutes before. Anyway, uh, Aaron Jones. I mean, if, if we remove him, you, you start getting guys like Eckler, right, at 7,000. And so like, maybe that's the question. It's like it's a seven, and not to say that you have to play either of these guys. I'm just saying sort of where our system is, you know, trying to make decisions around some of these projections, you know, right there, this guy or that guy, they're based around the same price on DraftKings. Would you rather play Eckler or, or Aaron Jones in these situations? I'd rather take Eckler, I think, uh, mm-hmm. for two reasons. First of all, we know Jones is in a timeshare. We believe that Eckler might be in a timeshare. So that gives the nod to Eckler. Uh, on DraftKings, being more reception-heavy is a big advantage. Jones is getting two or three targets a week. Eckler, even in his timeshare, even in the most bizarre, crazy game script of all time last week, had nine targets. So yep. um, that's three week, three weeks' worth of targets for Aaron Jones. I don't think this one is especially close like i can see the argument for playing jones if there really is just nothing available but this isn't where you start for me this is a guy who you plug in as your last guy in the lineup because you like the rest not a guy you build around yeah i think that's interesting and i think we might be on the wrong side of the chalk here but and i totally get why you would talk you can talk yourself into playing him and just because the script seems like it's really going to favor him and i totally agree there's just jamal williams is just there and not terrible and as long as he exists uh, then we're going to be in a situation where and by the way there is another thing where eckler uh, let me just double check that i'm right about this i'm pretty sure if i look at the snap count we're going to see overlap between yeah there is right so there's there's overlap between eckler and balash in terms of Mm -hmm in terms of like seeing the field because there were 62 total offensive plays run and that accounted. For, oh no, I take it back. It, it was right around even, but I, there are times where they line Eckler up as a wide receiver in a way that that just doesn't happen for, for Jones. Um, and so there it's the fact that Jamal Williams still exists. I just, I, I think I'm probably with you and we've seen it happen before where Aaron Jones, if it's the Aaron Jones week, you're in trouble <laughs> because he can like we're only a week removed. He was 15 for 130 in a touchdown last week, mm-hmm. and if they if, if if things are cooking, he can put it up with the with the very best in the game. And 
Jamal Williams still it was still a two to one uh, in terms of, of, of snaps last yeah, week. Yeah, two to one is good. And two to one in this running game is worth more than two to one in the Bears running game with David Montgomery. And I, I wouldn't dispute any of that. It's more of just a price problem with Jones. He's still priced very similar to a guy who's running the show by himself. I just don't view him that way. So um, Williams only touched the ball seven times last week, but he touched the ball 17 times against Chicago. So I, yeah, I'm i just not I, – I wouldn't be excited about it, whether it's the chalk play or not. But that's just Another 12-target week out of Devontae Adams last week. Um, yeah. It's just it's just every week. If the, game, if the games are close, he's going to touch double-digit targets, and he catches touchdowns, and he basically just does every single thing you want. At what point do we need to prioritize a guy like him for cash games, just knowing that the floor – the floor in him is just higher than any other receiver. I mean, I guess yeah. Tyreek Hill, the way they've been using him this season, it would still make me a little worried about Tyreek Hill just because of the historical stuff with him sort of disappearing at times. That hasn't happened really this season, but it has in past seasons. And Adams a little more expensive. Uh, but what do you? I mean, what, at what point do we need to say Devontae Adams is just like as safe as you can get, especially in PPR? Well, yeah, this is a question I was going to bring to you actually. So you know, we've talked about guys like you know Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry as the obvious places we want to spend up on a week-to-week basis, Devontae Adams has scored just a hair under Dalvin Cook's fantasy points per game on FanDuel. He's exceeded him on DraftKings thanks to the receptions, and he's like way better than Derrick Henry. He's scoring four fantasy points per game more than Derrick Henry on the season. Are we insane for just not prioritizing him over Derrick Henry? as the? Because we're not comparing him to other wide receivers. Like He's obviously better than them, but in terms of that one skill position guy that we can invest – 9,000 plus in this week should it just be Devonte Adams and then we you know mix and match at other positions yeah I mean he's so much better it's crazy like he's averaging 27 DraftKings points per game this season actually really 28 28 if I round up that's closer to 28 the next closest guy is Tyreek Hill at a full four points per game less right. at 23.65 uh, and then you really start dropping down to DK Metcalf I mean like, right right now Devonte Adams to the third guy is eight draft eight Plus eight, no, no, sorry, seven and a half DraftKings points more than the third best points per game PPR guy. Like that is nuts. And then there's a clustering effect around the Metcalfs and Allens and Thielens and guys like this. So among there's like there's such a he's such a tier above everybody else that it's sort of like that McCaffrey season from a couple years ago, right? It's like he's just it's so much better and. It's just always the passes are always just going to be feel like they're going to feel more risky. I, I don't you know what I mean? I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm just, like maybe I just need to let the math take over and say, look, it's just it's, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Running backs can get burned off their opportunity too. So I don't know. It, it just, but it is crazy how much better he is than everybody else. Yeah, I think we just give the numbers, you know, give him the right number of targets, and then let the system do the work. I think oftentimes the system is good about understanding where the value is, and if the system, for instance, really likes the mid six thousand dollar wide receivers in a way it doesn't like the mid six thousand dollar running backs, that's also another reason the scales get tipped here and there, but um, certainly worth keeping on the radar. Uh, Detroit looks like they're going to get DeAndre Swift back from the concussions, and he's had so many headaches, and I just don't know why I do it with these guys when they can't even, like, yeah. you know, they aren't themselves because of the concussion stuff, but it does look like he's going to be back this week. I, I get the sense I'll probably still ease him in. Um, they're not, like, crazy underdogs for how, you know, sort of discombobulated the team is or anything here like on uh, Detroit before we finish it off with one more game. Yeah, I mean – Depending on Galladay's status, you could see Marvin Jones being a yeah, playable big option. Week. Yeah. Um, I will say, from a betting perspective, the system is very bullish on Green Bay at minus eight, which is where I think I was. I got the line. I don't recall where it is right now, but it sees Green Bay as more like eleven point favorites here. So 
Um, so a nice opportunity to hammer the favorite, which is not often where our system winds up landing. So, oh yeah, I didn't really real see this one. I didn't bet this one for some reason. Um, not yet, buddy. You but still yeah, have time. Still have time. Yeah, that's pretty significant. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty significant difference. I, my eyes just kind of you know, went cross and glossed over that one. Let's finish this thing off. New Orleans goes in and plays Philly. I'm not sure how much we're gonna kind of go back over this one. We talked a lot about this game from both sides uh, in the cash game pers- uh, cash game podcast from yesterday. We talked about Taysom Hill, still very much a cash game play here, even mm-hmm. with a low total. He's just so much a part of what they're doing uh, on offense, uh, uh, on the ground especially, and the. Um, the excuse me the uh, percent the passing completion percentage has been pretty good too outside of the Denver game which I we said yesterday I'm kind of willing to sort of write that one off uh, and then we talked about Michael Thomas as a cash game play because he's just getting sort of same target share that he's seen in the past except that his price has dropped because the early season stuff was yeah. so bad and then the other side I we, I threw out Jalen Hurts as like a quasi cash game play but I'm probably gonna amend that to be just like a tournament upside guy uh, especially if they're running like wildcat stuff which appear or you know or uh, not wildcat uh, pass read options. Uh, that there looks like they've already signaled that they're going to start running. Anything else to see from this game? I feel like that kind of covers it from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I think we're that pretty much sums it up for me. Uh, New Orleans defense is just quite good, so I don't know why you want to be messing with this terrible Philly offense. And yeah, you touched on Hill and Thomas. I, I think I think we're all caught up, buddy. All right, that was a long one. There's a lot of games on this on this main slate as yeah. I was scrolling Football. through. Football, like, we're still going. We're still going here. All right. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is a site, DFSR.com for short. Go to DFSR.com slash deals to get yourself started in our projection system. It's an optimal lineup for FanDuel and DraftKings. It's going to include NFL, but also NBA, all under one subscription package. And NBA, fewer than two weeks from returning. So you're not going to get a better deal than that in the industry. Uh, we just, you know, don't, we don't section it off by provider or site or who wrote the article or whatever. If we have it up there, it's yours under dfsr.com slash deals. Buddy, enjoy week 14 in the NFL. Let's get it.